Hello. Oh, we're recording. Yes. It says it's downloading. I don't know what's going on. There's little percentages on my video frame. It's recording. Why does it keep loading? Okay. Whatever. Not my fault. I just burped into the microphone. Have fun Hi. with that. Oh, that was so loud. Hi. I like watching my voices. Hi. I'm trying to get it to do different things. Ooh. It's all amplitude. I don't know what I'm trying. Ah, 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 ah. I got what I wanted. Okay. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm okay. Just okay? That's all I can muster. <laughs> I'm excited to record. Okay. Three exclamation points. Three exclamation points? Three exclamation points. Oh my god, that's so many exclamation Why three exclamation points? Well, one is like, I'm just... That's like a normal... That's like a corporate exclamation mark. Mm. Two Hello. is like, wow, slight, slight interest. Three, excitement. Okay. Okay. Do you use two in corporate emails ever? In corporate emails? Well, not, not like... I'm like being friendly, fun. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. Or like Teams messages. You ever use two in a Teams message and then you're kind of just like, ooh. I only use that with people I'm like comfortable with though. So your coworkers. You use it with all of your coworkers. Well, I have a very small team. <laughs> so there's not that many people. It's not like an extended R&D team. I tried to put that down as quietly as possible. I don't know if you succeeded. I don't either. I, I, okay, what Hi. do we talk about on this show? I'm I'm Amanda. You're Amanda. Oh my god, I'm. I'm not Amanda. Actually, I like I'm Amanda. Amanda. <sighs> this woman. What up, Divs? Oh, there's no insulting way to do your name. No, that's because I have a beautiful name, and you also have a beautiful name. I'm not convinced. Amanda. No. Why do you like it? It's so nice. Amanda? Amanda. I don't know. It's just weird. You, you're weird. I know. That's fine. We did have like a 10 minute conversation about death this morning. That went nowhere. It was very devastating to me. It was devastating? Yeah. It was devastating to you that you didn't find death devastating? No, I mean, it is. That's all the point was. Huh. Alright, let's do it. What are we doing? We're getting ready. <laughs> okay. No, 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 ready, ready? Palms to the sky. <laughs> Absorb the solar power. Wait, wait, wait. Everyone, thank you for... We should really give, like, a semi-introduction. Hello. Thank you for joining us on this... Wonderful, sunshiny day. This is a soothing podcast experience. All we... Girl, what? Shaking some shit up over there. I wanted to make my extra creaky noises in my chair. (laughs) This gentle, soothing day. Chair creak, 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 creak. (laughs) Okay. Ignore that one. We're, um, We're gonna... Take a nice, deep, full breath in. (laughs) <laughs> an exhale, ma'am. 
Can you imagine? You're like, <laughs> you're like in the middle of a yoga thing, and all of a sudden you just hear. We're <gasps> <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> just like, okay. And now it's Sophie, me doing hot yoga. <laughs> They'd be like, take a deep breath in. I'm like, there goes my breakfast. <laughs> Just take a gentle exhale. <laughs> I'm so warm in this room. Meanwhile, every I feel like we're doing hot yoga now. We're 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 doing um a new thing called hot podcasting. <laughs> We've moved. So we moved. We did move. We live in a new place. We're no longer recording in a shed. We're We've recording in a in a home office. Mm, yes. Ding. It has a bed. It's definitely more sophisticated than the last setup. The shed? Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. That the was like... The oh. shed that was the first time we recorded rodeo about 200 degrees. <laughs> To the extent that we oh. legitimately went in the pool afterwards because we couldn't stand it. That was pretty awful. Yeah. <laughs> but now we are here. It is almost full circle time. It is almost July. Oh, God. They're about to hit no, the raging temperatures of SoCal. We didn't record until August. And I said we're almost in- full cycle. Almost. Why do you think I added the qualifier? Summer is here. Summer is here. It's hot. It's kind of nice. So, yeah, we moved. New place is nice. It's a little hot right now. Today is hot. The world is hot. We don't know how our thermostat works. (laughs) Problems we'll figure out later. (laughs) But we're here. We're queer. Oh, happy Pride! Yeah, five days before Pride ends. Yeah, but it's pride for us. You know the Geico Gecko is bisexual? Oh my god, me and the Gecko. Let's go. (laughs) Yes. Piggy's single. The Gecko? Yeah. Okay, so you didn't have a problem with the Gecko, but you have the problem with the box from... Zootopia? Oh my god. I have a problem with wanting to fuck all characters that are not human. Joke's on you. What? What joke? The joke of animals. The joke of bestiality. Question marks. Question marks. Red flags. I'm throwing them out. You remember that one story you did forever ago where they were they took red flags as weapons? Yeah. Oh my god. That was a great story. You know, if they can throw out red flags, I'm throwing a red flag right here, right now. So I wouldn't say that I find them attractive, just for record. But I can understand. You you don't self-describe as a furry. I can understand why people do, because they're so human, like their personalities. Yes, but their faces and their bodies are not. I think some people are able to ignore that. (laughs) I mean. I, I would say in most cases, I'm able to ignore that. But the whole not being human thing is, it's really a hang up, you know? Hmm. <laughs> I, I support furries. I would like to say your sexual kinks and preferences are valid. 
As long as you don't actually fuck animals, we support you. I don't think furries as a genre of people do. No, they yeah. just... They just enjoy them. They yeah. do their little costumes. They yeah. have fun. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, though. Support furries. I don't support bestiality. This podcast... Weirdly, this does segue very nicely into my story. The fuck is your story? <laughs> well, I'm not going first today, so... Oh, you're not? Well, you said I could coast this episode because... I was in the Caribbean a week ago, and my life hasn't really stopped for a bit. So, <laughs> I'm coasting, and coasting is second story. Alright. Wait. Is it actually? Wait. I don't know. Are we not first. paying attention to order anymore? Well, I was gonna give myself the card. Oh my god, wait. We should play a game at the beginning of every episode where we, like, decide who goes first based on the game. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Um, the What's game so is, would you fuck, we can play. um, what yeah. would you fuck? <laughs> if you answer yes to any of these, you're bad, and you get to tell your story first. <laughs> it's the worst game ever. <laughs> no. <laughs> I will not be going on record for this. <laughs> okay. Let's see. What's a good game we could play? Mm. Mm. Oh, I saw this really fun game. Okay. So, on, on, but I don't know if it's fun for you. Wait, do you want to harmonize with me? Okay. I can't do it. That, I, I'm not musically talented. I agreed and then immediately regretted it. Well, no, you started doing, mm, so then I joined in with you. Mm. Okay. Okay. So, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So, you pick two actors. Uh Uh-huh. And then you try to connect them through all the movies they've been in. So, for example, I saw one that was like... Jennifer Aniston. And Daniel Kluya, for example. Who is that? I don't even know who that is. That guy who's in Nope. Oh! He's also Hobie in Spider-Man. Across Uh, the Spider-Verse. Okay, okay. So we could do this, and both of us could come up with a... Our connections, and then Luke could weigh on which one's like the shorter one, and also like the better connection. I often... Just refer to people as that guy and this guy. You know, the guy from the movie. The This is why I was like, this might not be a fun movie. <laughs> this might not work out well. Um, I think of another hmm. game. Hmm. Hey. How about we think of a game for next time? <laughs> hey, maybe we'll figure out something else. Time. She goes second this time. Then. No. We don't have to... I want to do a game. Think of it on the spot. I want to do a game. Okay. All right. Hey, that's fair because I do just want to go second this time. Oh, fine. But what if I want to go second always? But like, just yeah, this that's... time we, we, you submit, you do first, and then we'll make a game for next time. Okay. Just tell them that, you know, this is too hard to think of right now. We'll get one for you guys next round. Did you hear Luke, everyone? <laughs> this is too hard to think of right now. Oh, my. <laughs> we'll there, there's a gun pointing at the back of a <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'm so scared. Please Just call 911. Hold the newspaper up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so dark. Please, guys. <laughs> they can't actually, they can see. There's... We're restarting the TikTok. But with a different funny? TikTok. Are we being funny? No, we're not funny. Women can't be funny. Please. Hey, who are you? 
I already did this. Oh, we did? I'm Amanda. You're... No. <laughs> hey, who actually are you? <laughs> I'm Greg. Greg. Janine. Yes. <laughs> Wait. I was Janine? I thought you were Janine. No? You were I Greg. I feel like I was Greg. You were Greg. I feel like Janine feels more normal in my mouth than Greg. Mm. Janine. Greg. Janine. Greg. your name. Janine. Mm. Mm. Janine. Greg. Janine. <laughs> are you enjoying this as much as we're enjoying it are you listening still (laughs) no they turned it off five hours ago all right let's get started we're a podcast if you hadn't figured that out from the format you're listening to it in hey you what's your name there we go divya i'm amanda no. Amanda. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> and we're your hosts of this podcast, which is called How Did We Get Here? How Did We Get Here? I don't know. Just well, kidding. we paid a lot of money to rent this house. <laughs> so, a lot of cash. Yeah. A lot of cash is how we got here. Cold, hard cash, like drug dealers. The concept is every week, Luke gives us a topic. Amanda and I spend very little time researching it. Hey, I spent a couple hours on this one. That is very little time. Just kidding. But we're here to serve quantity content, not quality content. That's right, bitches. Until we get better and then we'll start serving quality content. No. Krabby Patties. We Krabby will serve patties. you Krabby Patty level content. No, Krabby Patties are too quality. Have you seen the effort that Spongebob puts into his Krabby Patties? We're nothing by comparison. We're literally nothing. We will provide you chum bucket (laughs) There we go. Content. And so what happens is um, we tell a story that starts as far away from that given topic that week. And then somehow we end up at the topic. For example, the topic might be Amanda. And I might start at Panda's. That's so close. No. They literally rhyme. Well, today's topic is mountains. Mountains. (laughs) I could not plan that better. (laughs) Mountains. Mountains. Um, So, Amanda will be going first. Oh, wait. Do we want to do the definition of mountains? Do you want the definition of mountains? I would love the definition of mountains. I really don't know what they are. Big. Mountains. <laughs> Webster's Dictionary defines mountains as a landmass that projects conspicuously above its surroundings and is higher than a hill. <laughs> what is the definition of hill? <laughs> Say more. Look up the definition of a hill. I need to know now. <laughs> what if it's smaller than a mountain? <laughs> Less conspicuous. Hill. Usually a rounded natural elevation of land lower than a mountain. I'm dead. So, mountains can be anything, I guess. I'm a mountain. I'd be good at being a mountain, too. I'd add that. You'd be good at being a mountain? I'd just sit there. And the people step it's on like me. It's like boulder too. Rock too. We're starting. Okay. 
So we're going to get started with my story, mm. uh, which Luke feels so horrible about that he is currently facing away from us. Towards a wall. There's not even a window. So much side eye. Bombastic side eye. People younger than us are going to clown us so hard for that. The fuck I give. I said it once in front of my sister and the clowning did not stop for a <laughs> solid 10 minutes. You think I care about the children? Fuck I the do. Children. Every time I walk past a child, I'm like, whoa, please think I'm cool. Why? They're children. They're automatically not cool. No, that's factually not true. What? As we age, children will be cool. I don't know. No. It's really... They're they're actually just children. No. Children are so cool. Girl... The only, only people's opinions that I care about are children's opinions. That's rough. Yeah, well, adults' opinions suck, so... I mean, yeah, but so do children's. They no, all they, suck. But theirs are funnier. Well, yeah, that's true. They've been less worn down by life so far. Yes. Yeah. Rough. Um, all right. So my story. Story. <laughs> by the way, she did start to say story. I hate it. I hate it so much. All right. You all just right. randomly hate things. I'm a fan. My topic is mountains. <laughs> I'm waiting to hear your story. Okay, so my sources for today are rpmystic.com, medium.com, Encyclopedia Britannica, climbing.com, and my own fucking brain. Cool. Let's get into it. We're going to talk about the occult. What do you know about the occult? Whatever you've told me. What have I told you about the occult? Have I told you things? I don't know. Is the occult not the same thing as the ghost stuff? No. What? I don't know what the occult is. Okay. So the definition of occult, we're getting we're getting multiple definitions today. This is our third definition of the Oh day. boy, we're gonna get more during my story. Ooh. And this is not a podcast. It is in fact a read aloud of Mario <laughs> Mustard's dictionary. <laughs> okay, so the original definition of occult is a supernatural, mystical, or magical belief beliefs, practices, or phenomena. Mm. So, yeah, it, it relates to, like, ghost stuff, but it's also, like, the person has to actively believe in the thing, and oftentimes they're somehow getting benefit or utilizing the power of the mystical thing. So, like, witchcraft? Yeah. Okay. That is a form of occult magical practice. We'll be talking a lot about a lot today. Um, yeah, I have a question for you. Mm. Have you ever prayed? Yeah. Congratulations. You've practiced an occult ritual. Oh, yeah. I always knew I was a witch. What? No, that's fine. <laughs> okay, ma'am. Back up. Back up. The whole point is just like, you believe in something that you don't actually know exists and is like greater than you and exists in like a plane of existence that you don't know about really well blasphemy calling all religion a cult <laughs> i love it not no oh not a cult oh oh cult yes yes you got that okay 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 i just oh cult oh cult oh cult, cult. <laughs> okay so most people believe that occultism only applies to fringe religions, which is what you were just kind of like hitting on a mm. little bit there. 
um, and mystical practices, but truly, it does apply to everything, all religions, anybody that believes in anything supernatural is technically, and like, believes and practices rituals around it is practicing occult rituals. Wonderful. Fantastic. Everyone's a witch. Everyone is a witch, yes. Well, sort of. No. Actually, no. We'll, we'll get into it. I actually don't talk about Wicca in this, but we'll, we'll get into it a little bit more. Um, <laughs> I don't remember writing this down, but apparently I wrote, I don't give a flying fuck about what most people think. <laughs> Just in general, or in reference to something. Well, then it says, so instead, let me tell you about the concept of occult magic that I find personally interesting. <laughs> Well, let's hear it. You're such a build-up for it. Thank you. So we're going to talk about chaos magic. Mm. Have I told you about chaos magic? Yes, because you thought I was practicing it when I consistently got the same parking spot <laughs> yes. in Alton. I'll Wait. It, same parking spot in my office building. <laughs> let's save that story because it's going to be a great example later on. Okay. Okay. So chaos magic is a form of magic which is a form of like practicing shit and occultism um and it came out of the uk in the 1970s and it grew up alongside the punk movement Mm. wild right yeah yeah um people weren't initially super into it because like previous magical orders they were actually like orders super organized groups uh they didn't they didn't like the idea of it being like not looking like magic because basically chaos magic you don't you don't wear robes you don't need to be like in a group or an order you don't have like crazy chanting and like really elaborate rituals and that kind of stuff you pretty much just make it a very individual practice and you kind of do whatever you feel like yeah so like i said very like personal experience very to the individual it also means that like people aren't practicing this in big groups they can share like what they're doing with each other mm-hmm. that sounded weird but they're not like they can share the knowledge that they've gained and kind of like some of their own individual rituals rituals with each other and they can guide each other but they're not actively practicing together mm-hmm. yeah um so new thing people don't like change cool 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 I am not going to tell you anything else really about the development of chaos magic because it's just a lot of like white people writing books, white men specifically writing books that are very annoying. Um, yeah, boo. Yeah. The concept itself, I find really interesting. The history of it is like, eh. Except mm. for the fact that it's tied to the punk movement. That's like freaking wild. Mm. Um, ah, but also there's a lot of pretentious fucks in punk. So many pretentious fucks. Okay. Such good music, though. <laughs> Sorry, I'm so... Okay. Name okay. names. What, like bands? Yeah. No, I want to hear about pretentious people and why we hate them in punk. Oh. I don't know. It's so much effort. Oh, it's just all of them. They're all, like, movies. All of them? Yes! <laughs> you watched Into the Spider-Verse. That, like concept of a punk that's not incorrect that's like dead on 
That's valid. Yeah. The longest ass ending sound ever. Alright, sorry. Okay, so I'm not going to tell you anything else about the history of chaos magic, but I am going to tell you about how you, the listeners, all one of you, um, can go and practice chaos magic on your own. Yeah. So... To practice chaos magic at like very, very core level of what you have to do is reject dogma. All mm. rules, fuck them. Society, fuck it. Mm. I mean, as much as you humanly can. Like, recognize everything is bullshit. Thank you. Um, become reliant on personal experience, which is kind of like, it's not to say that you can only rely on yourself. It's just rely on your own concept of reality and document it. Does that make sense? Like journal? Yeah. Okay. Journal, but journal specifically about like chaos magic is very tied to self-improvement in ways of like, not, not like our modern kind of empowerment, weird empowerment movement. You mean where I put a bath bomb on and my childhood traumas you? <laughs> oh my god, self-care, guys. No, it's more like, you know what? I really want to... I want to always find a parking spot really easily. Mm-hmm. And then you put that into the universe. and then Oh, you, it's manifesting. It basically is manifesting. Fantastic. I practice chaos magic constantly on my Pinterest board. <laughs> No. I mean, you practice... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have the idea of it, but you don't actually practice chaos magic. Yes, I didn't think I did. <laughs> I was a one-off statement. <laughs> um, okay, so that's being reliant on personal experiences. Learn diverse perspectives and utilize that knowledge. So this is, like, really, if you want to be good at this stuff, you need to, like, learn about a wide amount of religions, a wide amount of history, mythology, all of that kind of stuff. And then utilize that information in whatever your practice is going to be. And then you also practice this thing called gnosis. Gnosis. <laughs> so this is the concept specifically in chaos magic. It's involved in all forms of magic, but like is usually more related to kind of like meditating and being able to like shift out of reality at any time this is in chaos magic specifically it's the ability to shift your consciousness at will but to any reality like other realities than your own perception of reality yeah still a lot of kind of like perspectivism but then it's also like uh Basically, a lot of magical practice involves heavy drug use, and chaos magic is like, you don't need that. You can if you want to, but you don't have to. So you can train yourself to feel high without being high. Wonderful. <laughs> Saves a lot of money. <laughs> um, all right. It's a very results-driven process, which mm-hmm. is why like journaling is super important. Uh, so you track any benefit that you're receiving from whatever your ritual has been and you make changes to the rituals in order to get better outcomes it's cool so 
the rituals are just like you sitting there trying to shift your reality. Not necessarily. Okay. They can be anything, anything you want. But I am going to tell you about one specific type of ritual, which is called making a sigil. Um, and it is basically manifesting by drawing. Mm. Uh, basically what you do is you think of something that you want to have or be able to do or just like any, anything that you would like to come true. Mm-hmm. And then you make a sigil for it. And you make a sigil by like sometimes using the letters involved in the thing that you want. Or you can like do weird, um, you can do like automatic writing stuff, which where you just kind of close your eyes and you let the pencil or whatever you're using mm-hmm. guide itself until you have something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you can just like throw a marker at a piece of paper mm. and see what happens. Any anything. Anything mm. to get something that is meaningful to you. Because the most important part of all of this is that that symbol isn't just the words that you've put into it, but it's it means something to you about mm. the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so once you have your sigil, you charge it by holding onto it and basically like very being very clear about your intentions, thinking about the thing that you want and like kind of enveloping that practice of gnosis, which is actually just gnosis, I just realized. Gnosis. <laughs> um, yeah. Which is shifting realities. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But in this case, you're just kind of like getting into a meditative state. And thinking about the thing that you want and like imagining yourself having it and really like making that intention super clear. Mm. You have that thing already or you're able to do that thing already. Mm. And then you make it happen in reality. Yeah. Um, And then in order to like keep your sigil charged and keep it kind of like on the front of your brain, basically, you practice drawing the sigil regularly just Mm. on anything. And then, of course, you document your results. Okay. Yeah. Mm. I think it's really cool because even if it's not like actually supernatural, it's like that kind of ritual based thing of just keeping your intention on the front of your mind is just like, that's a good way of getting anything you want. So, yep. Yeah. You're infiltrating your subconsciousness. Yeah. It's, um, this is the whole plot of the book secret. They just don't have rituals for it. Oh, what is this book? The secret is just like, it's like every middle-aged person reads it. It's like one of those like self-help books, but it's all centered around this concept of like keeping your intentions at the front of your mind and manifesting what you want out of life. Wow. They should just practice chaos magic instead. I'm pretty sure that's what they mean. They just don't want to use those words. (laughs) That's fair. I mean, a lot of people like dance around this concept it's kind of a, I don't know. It feels like a natural stepping away from a loss of control and regaining control of your own life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's chaos magic in a very basic way. There's a lot about it. If anybody's interested in it, please, please look into it. But also know that everyone that I've ever heard of that has practiced some form of magic has eventually either severely fucked up their lives or 
quit because they realized it was severely fucking up their life. Say more. (laughs) I will. Okay. Thank you. Um, And now I'm going to talk about music. Okay. Yeah. I meant more. Specifically, say more about the people who fucked up their lives. Yeah, girl, we're getting into the rock and roll scene of the 1960s and 70s. What do you think? It's only people that fucked up their lives. But due to chaos magic? Not chaos magic, but other forms of magic. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Fun. I feel like I'm reading a fantasy novel. Wonderful. This is cool. Okay, so now I've introduced you to one form of magical practice. We're going to talk about the fact that magic and music have been intertwined for a long time. All right. Yeah. I already said chaos magic grew up out of the punk scene. Cool. Well, magic has always been intertwined specifically with rock and roll. And specifically in the 1960s and 70s, coming out of the UK, there was a lot of people practicing magic. Of various forms. Uh, Of course, it's like the UK, which has always been known for Wicca and that kind of stuff. So kind of grew out of that. I think there's a lot of people that are just inclined towards magical practice over there anyway. And they also were like... Like Hogwarts? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I just didn't know British people were intertwined with magic outside of that. (laughs) Britain has like a very long history of magic. Yeah. I mean, that's where Wicca comes from, right? I did not know that. Oh, okay. If you had to ask me a bet of, like, which European country I came from, it would not be Britain. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not like, it's not like, you know, the the crazy British people that actually, like, rule, you know? It's like, it's like the people that were actually there before. Like, the Celts and stuff. Like, Uh, all of it came out of that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like my well, I would like a spot of tea, yeah. and I'm gonna uh, use chaos magic to get it. Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Britain was in like really, really shitty financial condition in like the '60s and '70s, um, and it caused a lot of people that were feeling like super, super disenfranchised with everything to be like, "Fuck your moralistic values of the middle class. It's all bullshit. Everybody else is doing just fine." You know, it's pretty similar to how I hear a lot of people talking today in the United States. Wow. <laughs> Where Everything's cyclical. Yeah. 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 Eat the rich is not new. No. No. Um, but yeah, so there was a lot of like this kind of talk and banter of just... Fuck the way you think that we should live while you're living however you want with all of your fucking money. We're going to do anything we want and we're going to do better than you. Yeah. Um, so. I'm just going to go into some examples of people from like the 60s and 70s that were practicing cultism and were in rock bands. You know who Mick Jagger is? I hope so. Yeah. You do? No. Yeah, I know, but you're not going to be happy about how I know. Okay. <laughs> I know from the songs, like Jagger. But he's not in that song. I know. Okay. I only know him as a reference person in that song. Okay, do you know what band he was in? One of the famous ones? Yes, you'd be correct. He was in one of the famous ones. It's a magazine. 
Rolling Stones. He was in the Rolling Stones. There we go. So he is like a relatively well-known occultist. Um, Actually, the whole band was pretty into it. Is he still alive? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Luke gave me head nods. So yeah. Um, It's well known that he read Taoist Secret of the Golden Flower while working on the album um, The Satanic the Satanic Majesty's Request. So when obviously, album. you know, they have an album that's called The Satanic Majesty's Request. Like, <laughs> they might be a little, little practicing in the occult. So they have a lot of, like, occulty references in all of their stuff throughout their entire careers. Um, and specifically, like, that, there's one really well-known song, The Sympathy for the Devil. Mm-hmm. It's like... Yeah, it's literally right there in the title. You know. Yeah. They don't really give a fuck. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, yeah, also, like, in their practicing stuff, they tend to be a lot more, like, ironic with it, where it's, like, a lot of people will kind of just do whatever. They seem to take a much more of, like, oh, well, if everybody else is going to be Christian, we're going to be anti-Christian and be more, like, satanic, but not really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fun. So anyway, there's always a lot of like paparazzi shit about how like, oh my god, they're occultists. If you listen to their music, then you are in love with the devil. Oh, they sold their soul to get famous. Because That's so people... much more fun gossip than today's gossip. <laughs> today's gossip is like, Nick Cannon had his 12th kid. I'm like, no, I you, Nick Cannon is in cohorts with the devil. That would be so much funnier. He's raising his children to be sacrifices later on. That would be such a cool headline. I would pick up People Magazine again. Like, But yeah, so there was all of that kind of shit going around. And of course, like, it wasn't entirely... No, it wasn't entirely wrong. Um, but at the same time, they were, like, partying really heavy and drinking a lot and doing a lot of drugs. And ultimately, one of the band members ended up dying. Oh, no. Yeah. I did not know the Rolling Stones had a dead member. Well, they were One of the him. Stones stopped rolling. <laughs> Ooh. Rough. Um, yeah. And that was kind of, like, a partial wake-up call for the band. But then they also just kept on doing their shit. And they just kind of slowly fucked up their lives. Mm, so it goes. Yeah. What is is that? What they say in um... Slaughterhouse Five. So yeah. it goes. Yeah. Um. All right. Next on our list, the only one that didn't get fucked up that I know of, Jimmy Page. Jimmy Page. Do you know who Jimmy Page is? No. Okay. No, 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 no. I guess. It sounds so familiar. I've talked about him before. Yeah, but I also think I've lived in America. Um, <laughs> well, he's not American. Yes, I know. <laughs> I have lived around you people. <laughs> the whites. <laughs> um, is he part of a band? Yeah. Okay. Is it a famous band? Y- yes. Okay. Why would I be talking about it? Is it Led Zeppelin? It is. Yes! Fantastic. The so crowd goes fucking wild. <laughs> Ow, my arms are so bad. Okay. So Jimmy Page is the front man and lead guitarist for the group Led Zeppelin. I knew he was a guitarist. I also knew that. He's, he is a fantastic guitarist. What those fingers do? 
they practice magic. Or not really. He kind of, it's like questionable. And maybe this is why his life wasn't totally fucked up. It's all the part of his soul for talent. Yeah. Well, Led Zeppelin did also go super high and like they had the same kind of accusations as the Rolling Stones of like, oh my God, these occultists sold their soul in order to get famous. And it's like, no bitch, their music is just good. Um, But you know, whatever, people can think what they want. Uh, So he read a lot of like occultist literature. It was very much into the concept of magic and magical practices to the point where he admitted in an interview once, I do not worship the devil, but magic does intrigue me. Magic of all kinds. Mm-hmm. Seems like, what kind of interview were they having? <laughs> <laughs> Again, much cooler interviews than today. Where they're like, are you like maybe dating that person? No. <laughs> Let's talk about their relationship with religion. Hey, are you a fucking occultist? Yes or no? Uh, this um, is the kind of things the Alan show should get into. Yeah, seriously. And he also has a sigil on one of his albums. Um, it's like, a, they call it the Zoso symbol because that's what it kind of looks like. But it's on the fourth Led Zeppelin album cover. Mm-hmm. And on this album is the song Going to California, which I listened to many times. Before you went to California? Yes. Chaos Magic. It was major inspiration for me. I would listen to it all the time when I was like, I got my job here and I was like, they had that on the California playlist that New York Times puts together. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Um, but it's a fantastic album, so go listen to it. But also, yes, Led Zeppelin, Occultism. There's some pretty strong ties there. Mm. And no, it's not why they were famous. Their music is fantastic. <laughs> okay. One of the, I have like a little thing here. It's kind of, it's kind of a funny thing. Mm. So Jimmy Page gave David Bowie his piss in a jar to keep in David Bowie's fridge at all times because David Bowie is a crazy fuck who's paranoid as hell that like Jimmy Page was going to curse him. I mean, the urine is some kind of antidote for any spell that he could put on him? No, it's so that David Bowie could curse Jimmy Page if... David Bowie actually thought he was cursed by Jimmy Page. That's, that's one way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So David Bowie, let's talk about him for a second because damn, damn, this guy was unwell. Um, he has a lot of references to occult stuff in his music, especially on like Hunky Dory. Uh, that's the same album that has like Life of Mars and Changes on it. Mm. Oh, we're going to talk about changes for, like, two seconds. Yeah. What are the, I'm so excited. Two seconds. <laughs> but yeah, so when Hunky Dory was one of his earliest albums, and he was practicing occult magic pretty heavily at this point, I think he wasn't a part of any order, but he had, like, a lot of the order's scriptures. One of them is called the Golden Dawn. There's a longer name for it. I didn't write it down. Um, But yeah, it's called The Golden Dawn. And he literally makes a reference to The Golden Dawn in one of his songs. And it's just like, ah. That's like a chaos magic scripture? Yeah. Uh, It's an order. It's a magical order. 
What is an order? Ah! <laughs> I thought sure feet by accident. It was just like such a weird sensation. Okay. It's, it's a it's a what? Good question. What is an order? An order is basically a club. Oh. Or it's kind of like a small religion almost. They have their own scripture and stuff, but it's less like we have a god and and you're gonna die if you don't go to this church and all this other shit. Wait, so so David Bowie was a part of the order or had one of their scriptures? He had their literature and oh. scriptures. Okay. Yeah. I it's I don't know if he was actually a part of any magical order. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Changes. I told you I was going to talk about changes. So the whole message and changes of like, how closely have you listened to the lyrics of changes? She's she's bopping to it. She's bopping. I heard a lot of the chorus, and then I think when I listen, I do listen to the li- the verses, but they haven't stuck. I don't know them well. Okay, but I mean, the chorus is like, don't tell them to grow up and get out of it. Like, there's all that kind of mm. stuff in it. And it very much is like reflecting the times that they were in of like, people were stuck. Social hierarchy in Britain is like very stuck. Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't climb or anything. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. So they were kind of like, like I said, the magical movement that was happening was somewhat in reaction to that and the economy and everything. Mm. And that's what changes is all about. Mm. Which is, yeah. I just love giving that historical context. It makes you like go back and listen to it with a different ear. It's like about the British it's about going like, through their own social movement. Yeah. It's about like the poor people of British and like their... They're shit. Mm. You know? They're getting fucked over. I like that song a lot. Yeah. And when he's asking people to face the strange, like, that sounds like such a weird line, doesn't it? Yeah, but I like it. He's asking you to, like, come come into the occult. Like, do some some (laughs) shit, you know? Face the strange. Don't worry about it. Don't tell us to grow up and get out of it. Mm. Come face the strange. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, but he's fucking nuts. At one point, he was subsisting off of cocaine, milk, and peppers, and that was it. Um, yeah, and he, like, almost died once before he turned his life around and was okay, and I think peppers, at that point- like, like, like bell Like pepper? bell peppers, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. acid reflux must be just terrible. He was wild. Yeah. So I think his last album before he kind of like turned things around a bit was called Station to Station, where he was, he, a lot of his albums came with like a caricature and this one, he was like the great white Duke and he's so skinny on the album cover that everybody was like, are you okay? Paul, poor guy. Yeah. And he had, he almost died mm. and he turned it around and ended up being okay, mm. but What's his recovery album? Um, he did three. They're called the Berlin Trilogy. Mm. Are they good? They're okay. Mm. They're good. They're a little bit more poppy, so they're actually more popular. Like, um, Let's Dance is on one of them. I don't know that song. You've heard it. I know you've heard it. Okay. It doesn't. 
Um, sure. No, it's just like, it's still very ingrained in pop, so you've heard it before. It's the, uh, well, it looks terrible. Put on your red shoes and dance the blue. No. Let's sway. I, I mean, a song that's called Let's Dance very much feels up my alley. So I'm just not like, it's not like I don't want to have listened to it. Yeah. I just don't know if I have. All good. Okay. Last one we're going to talk about. Black Sabbath. I don't actually know if they were fucked up. They were fucked up. Ozzy Osbourne is fucked up. Black Sabbath. Well, yeah, but I don't know if they got like they're pretty heavy into the occult to the point where they have a song that's called Mr. Crowley, and I will talk about Mr. Crowley in a hot second. Mm. But um, yeah, they were just like super heavy into it. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of songs that are based around the concepts of like occult magical practices. So, Wonderful. fun fact. Um. Yeah. Ozzy Osbourne. Interesting dude. Dyslexic. Fun fact. They gave him a dunce cap in elementary school because he was not dumb, but they called him dumb. Does that that hit a little hard with you, Amanda? Shut up. (laughs) You are very smart. That should be clear. No, I know what I am. Where's my dunce cap? It's like cute. It's such a cute cap to be used for such a terrible purpose. I know! And it kind of looks like a wizard cap, so. Yeah. You know, maybe they were getting to something. Have you seen the Over the Garden Wall? No. The the boy in that has like a red dunce cap, but it's a wizard. <laughs> but that TV show I blows my mind. It's still so good. It's like the, the how it ends and everything. Yeah, it's like a good animated short series. Oh, it's an- Ooh. It's on HBO Max. I feel like I need to watch it now. Is it's it like, new? It's old. It's like 2014. Whoa. Yeah. Anyways, tell me more. Okay. Well, now I'm just going to list off some other people that are like known to be into occult mm. magical practices. You've got Blue Oyster Cult, mm. Alice Cooper, Fleetwood Mac, mm. famously Stevie Nicks. Bitch is crazy. Not really. Yeah, She's just like, if Daisy Jones is based off of even a tenth of her personality, <laughs> that bitch is off the walls. <laughs> she's just like, um, she's very heavy into Wicca. Mm-hmm. And I can see that for her. Yeah, she actually was on the third season of American Horror Story, Coven. Mm-hmm. She like, I don't remember what she, she's like a witch that visits the Coven. Mm-hmm. And she does one of Fleetwood Mac's songs mm-hmm. on there. Yeah, it's... I watched so much Daisy Jones and then watched so many TikTok clips. And then eventually also started watching a lot of Stevie Nicks clips. And now when I'm in the car, I do, like, Stevie Nicks mannerisms when I sing. I go... She just, like, does this, like, yeah. little head shake thing when she, like, hits a note that she... <laughs> yeah. And I do it in the car now. I fucking love Stevie Nicks. I do, too. Oh, Fleetwood Mac is... Fun. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I would say anything else about them. They're fun. Oh, that's no, no. They're better than fun. Listen to rumors from start to finish. I yeah. have. I do like it, but I don't know if I would say. I mean, it was more about the people than the the actual music. Oh, I don't think I want to comment on their very messy lives. I mean, they're not 
technically talented for sure, but I mean they did really cool things. Oh, and they're I'm like, not talking about their music. Songs are extremely emotional. What? I have a Fleetwood Mac girl. I like them. I just think they're fun people. <laughs> fun people, she says, whilst cringing. <laughs> I, I, let's talk about Mr. Crowley. Mm. I mentioned Mr. Crowley. Now we get to learn more about him. So, this uh, guy. The guy, the song by Black Sabbath. Yeah. Okay. Now, we're going to talk about Mr. Crowley. Um, this guy, this guy, let me tell you. He's the world's greatest ass man. I'm waiting for you to... <laughs> I, I, I thought you were going to tell me what an ass man was. I mean... He takes... He's just a bottom? Is that yeah. what you're trying to say? He is, he is a bottom for the generation, for the ages. He I, is He is the ultimate ass man. I, I don't think you... Bottom should translate to ass man, but whatever. He's Okay, he's the ultimate bottom. Okay. The ultimate. This man... This man did all of his rituals on all fours. <laughs> That's <great>. <laughs> <laughs> he was once proclaimed the wickedest man in the world. And That's he got so, metal. so much dick that it killed people. AIDS? No. No, everybody around him was just like, you're such a toxic fuck, you've driven me to suicide. Oh, that's... But most of it was related to fucking. Okay. You just fucked everyone all the time. So anyway. Sex addiction. Yeah. It's a real problem. This dude grew up in an evangelical family. (laughs) Mr. Crowley is a real person? Yeah. That the song is based on? Yeah. Okay. This is a historical figure. Okay. Get fucking ready for the man of a lifetime. Not saying you want to be his friend or know him or anything about him or be him, but he's definitely a legend. (laughs) All right. Okay. So he grew up in a wealthy evangelical Christian family. He did not maintain those values. No. (laughs) No. Um, In 1880... In 1898, in his 20s, he joined the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, Mm. which is that group, yeah, that I referenced earlier, um, and is a magical order derived from the Rosicrucians. Mm. Do you know the Rosicrucians? Uh, No. They were kind of like, they're they're lightly related to the Bible. They kind of like came out of fringe Christianity and then devolved into other shit, but they're old. Honestly, I don't remember too much about them. Okay, so I'm going to pretend. We're moving on. (laughs) Sorry. Google it. You have Google. I had Google too, but I thought I could remember it. You have Google. Um, In 1904, he wrote his first book called The The Book of the Law, which later became the foundation of his own order, the Lima, and is also accepted as scripture in another order, Shortened OTO. The actual thing is, oh god, Ordo Temp 
Templi Orientis. Mm. It's German. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, in this book, this is this is the one weird thing. Okay, I don't put a stake. I don't put stake in a lot of this, right? Mm. This is the one thing where I'm like, ooh, ooh, that's a little, mm, that's kind of spicy. <laughs> um, so in this book, he discusses a creature named Awas. Mm. Awas supposedly gave Crowley all of the information that he put into the Book of Law. Mm-hmm. Um, Awas looks surprisingly like an alien gray. An alien what? An alien gray. You know, like this, this standard alien kind of thing with the big head and the black eyes. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. the gray. Uh-huh. But this is like 30, 40 years before anything media came out with an alien gray on it. Interesting. Hmm. I don't know. It seems maybe like something that was just kind of existing in the collective unconscious. But weird. Yes. Weird. Weird for sure. Yeah. Um, so then he wrote a book called Equinox, another one called The Diary of a Drug Fiend, mm-hmm. and the Book of Thoth. Thoth. Um, and Diary of a Drug Fiend is kind of like a self. It's it's like an autobiography. Where That's just, what it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> where he just kind of like talks about all of his heavy ass drug use. Mm. And the fact that he... So I said he started his own order called Thalema. Mm-hmm. Well, he also had this abbey called the Abbey of Thalema mm. in like Italy. Where basically... It was really bad. It was really, really bad. And in what way? Oh, I'm pretty sure like a child died. Oh. These people like imagine imagine a group of wizards. Magicians mm. that call themselves Imagine people that are not well equipped for this world. That call themselves wizards. That rent a property in Italy and some of them have children and there's an ass hat that's their leader. Ooh, sounds like a, a good spell for death. Yes. So, yeah. Not exactly the best situation. Um, Thoth. What is it? Oof. Thoth. 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 T-H-O-T-H. Thoth. T-H? O-T-H. Thoth. That's the noise I make when I get out of bed in the morning. <laughs> um, also, and I find this really funny, as just like a tidbit of how history is all related to each other. He called Elron Hubbard a moron once in a letter. He knew Elron Hubbard personally. And called him a moron. That's that's crazy. Because <laughs> he's a moron. Yeah. For those of you who are not aware, L. Ron Hubbard, a daddy of Scientology, don't forget to watch Mission Impossible when it comes out because who else is a daddy of Scientology? Fucking Tom Cruise. Fuck that guy. Yeah, that would be an accurate... An accurate thing to say. Yeah. 
Fuck that guy. (laughs) This message is supported by our whole podcast. All our funding. Thank you. All of our funding. Our own wallets. (laughs) Supports the Tom Cruise. Foundation. Sucks. See, you know, you gotta give it to Chris Pratt. Because he is terrible. At least he's not in Scientology. And that's like the best thing I have to say about Chris Pratt. Yeah, instead he's too Christian. Yeah. Which I guess is fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's better than Scientology. Yeah. Literally anything is better than Scientology. Look, you know what I thought about? I was reflecting on my hate for Chris Pratt the other day. Sorry to do this aside in the middle of the story, but it does feel old. I would have been fine with this man just la-la-lying, living his little action hero life. If he had invested the fucking Jurassic World series, that's, that's just so inexcusable to me. Why put your handprint on that and then be the worst? Just so bad. You feel like... The original Jurassic Park movie also has like a Chris Pratt type archetype, right? He's like, I'm a tough guy. I don't feel <laughs> feelings. But he plays it with such an emotional depth. depth. Yeah. And like, I don't know. Just like, what? it's not like Chris Pratt didn't have the opportunity to play that role with emotional depth. The, the script is written so he could. Yeah. He just chooses to play it like he's never ever. He's a badass. You're telling me the original Jurassic Park cast are not all badasses? Like, he's so strong, though, Divya. What are you gonna do? He has such a cool relationship that he builds with a raptor, and I feel nothing. I'm like, the CGI raptor is playing better than you. It's not even fucking real, Chris. Like, what's going on? Like, (sighs) get it the fuck together, Chris. Good God. So now the best thing I have to say about Chris Pratt is that he's not in Scientology. (laughs) Okay. Sorry. Now continue with your story. Okay. So we're talking about Mr. Crowley, not Chris Pratt now. (laughs) Yeah. I will try to keep my emotions limited to the man. Apparently, I put the most fantastic line in here without having really thought about it. He ultimately sucked ass as a person. And a shocking number of people killed themselves around his toxic ass. And he ultimately died in poverty with a raging heroin addiction in 1947. Fantastic ending to the story. (laughs) Story's not over yet. Oh. Mm. Oh. Yeah. You know why? Dick on a mountain. You know why? Oh. Oh. He sucked a dick in a mountain graveyard. Moving on. We're gonna just let that one hang for now. Sucking dick in a graveyard. It's a very important coming of age ritual, and if you haven't done it, you're not an adult, so get on it. We are letting that one hang for now. Yeah, but this guy, this guy has like had a crazy, crazy fucking life. Not only does he have a lasting impact on like the occult world. And pop culture, for whatever fucking reason. He's also famous in mountaineering history. (laughs) This dude was one of the first people to attempt the climb up the second and third largest mountains in the world. Wow. K2. Heroin takes you far. Yeah. Yeah, man. (laughs) K2. And, oh, Jesus. 
I meant to look this one up. Kanchen Januga. Okay. Ken Chen. You guys can Google this. I can in third largest It's fine. <laughs> Fuck. Um. Neither peaks were actually summited until 50 years after these early attempts. This is insane. Okay. Both attempts were ultimately unsuccessful, but Crowley was one of the first people to recommend the alternative route for K2 Summit that ultimately has become the established path today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Everyone on their K2 journey survived, fortunately. Um, Surprisingly. On the other one, not so lucky. And we're going to tell one last quick story about Mr. Crowley being a fuck. He led the other one for the mountain that cannot be named because I'm a dumbass and didn't look up the pronunciation. But his expedition crew got stuck in an avalanche on the mountain. And um, six people in the attempt... Uh, attempted to start descending the mountain that night after the avalanche occurred. Mm -hmm. They ended up getting caught in another avalanche and immediately killed four of the six people. The two survivors were helped by everyone else on the crew, except for Crowley, because he had told them not to descend that night. And so he was being a little bitch and sitting in his tent... Wow. While people were stuck on a mountain. Wow. So what did we learn today, Divya? Sometimes gay people can be assholes. Bisexual, but yes. (laughs) Um, I learned, don't go hiking, the fucking magician. Yeah. Red flag. <laughs> Red flag. <laughs> All right. That's my story. It was wonderful. Thank you. I love Mr. Crowley <laughs> climbing mountains with a hero at you. <laughs> Do you think he climbed the mountains asshole first? <laughs> His butt up to the sky. <laughs>
it was initially a theological sin uh, used to describe the attribution of human form to gods. So it was not about animals at all at that point. It was more about humans, um, like us thinking gods could be anything like us, like seeing oh. God in our image. Okay. And it was considered like a theological sin. Pre-Darwinian? So I feel like God creating creatures in his image is like a popular concept. Is that... Well, I think the the definition of the word changes after Darwin. Yeah, but I'm just thinking about like from a biblical sense, like I'm sure that's what that's why I think the original term of anthropomorphism is that it's a it is a sin. It's more not like it's not like oh God made us in His image. Mm -hmm. That's different than us saying God is like us. Like, oh, oh. Do you see what I'm saying? It's yeah, the yeah, reverse. Yeah. Okay. That's oh, like... I guess it's more of like seeing God as an imperfect being. It, it's that... Yeah, it's like giving attributions of human traits to God. Okay. Like God is greedy. God yeah. is prideful. Yeah. Um, and like... Uh, well, like stuff like... Oh, like you could fuck God. Like, you know, that sort of stuff. God fucks. God fucks Mary. (laughs) Damn. But that's in general what it meant before. Okay. And then kind of hit the Darwinian era of science. And we started to see ourselves as like one of many species. And like we are also kind of animals type situation came about. Mm -hmm. And then it started to mean more of actually attributing human features and emotions to animals. Which is also the common use of the word today. Okay. Um... In a post-Darwinian world, like after now, this concept is considered a pretty sloppy technique in science. Um, what? Well, yes. It makes sense, right? It, like, it influences our observations of animals when we achieve... Oh, oh, you're features. talking... Okay, I thought you were talking about it from, like, a literary perspective. Sorry. No, we will get into that, though. Scientifically, uh, anthropomorphism is a very common fallacy. Okay, see, so I only know anthropomorphism as a, like, literary concept. So, cool. It is just a concept. It, yeah. w- it is also a literary device. Mm-hmm. But um, there, it is a big problem in science, and especially people who are in fields where they are observing animals. Is this like when people are like, oh my god, my snake can feel love. It looks well, like me. when a dog puts his tail between its legs and we're like, oh, it's because it's feeling shame. Shame is a human concept. Yeah. So. It's actually just scared. Yeah. Or, I mean, whatever it is, like, we're letting our image and view of our feelings affect, and we're attributing those feelings to a dog. Are you trying to tell me animals don't have shame? I'm not saying they don't. I'm saying that. No, I, I don't think they do. Shame is a stupid concept i mean if it was it would have to be proven right but i like that's the whole point yeah yeah um in culture though and literature you are correct animals are often used as a vehicle to tell stories about human nature with some distance right Mm -hmm. like literally every disney movie ever i have that written in the notes like literally every disney movie ever and wow wait like every disney movie ever 
anyone that has an animal. <laughs> and and also, like, um, the most obvious one is, like, Aesop's fables, right? Like, those use animals particularly to tell stories about humans, mm-hmm. but without feeling like it's so in-your-face, like, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think this is actually a really cool literary device for that reason, that it allows us to perceive stories about ourselves, but not directly with characters that look like us. Mm-hmm. And that's fun and cool and all sorts of stuff. I think um, there comes an issue on the mechanism of anthrop- anthropomorphism treads into reality Mm -hmm. so this is when like when we understand that animals are devices of a story versus when we create a real like a a story that uses realism to an extent that we want to actually attribute human features to animals so i will i'll explain that a little bit more um they've done a lot of like studies on children to see if like if you tell them a story using cartoon animals mm-hmm. and you're telling them facts about these animals, we seem pretty split in the literature over do they actually understand that those are real animals or do they see them or are they more likely to retain those facts? Is this like is this like a child that like Is this like a child trying to like befriend an alligator or something? Because they were like, oh, <laughs> the cartoon. It's a little bit more serious than that from an ideological perspective. But yes, that vein, right? So like in that like we are less likely to retain real facts when you put a cartoon animal there instead of a um, actual photo of a tiger. Wait, who the fuck is doing like... These studies? Who... Who is making, like, planet Earth with cartoon animals? No, it's more like, like, uh, you have a picture book, right? Uh-huh. And in the picture book, you have a picture of a cartoon tiger. You can say, tigers are fierce animals who live in the jungle. They eat this, this, and this. Right? Versus if you have an actual photo of a tiger, and you have those same facts listed below. Because whatever... Wait, do, you- like, do, like, the pencil drawing versions of it count, too? Like, the... Attempted realistic ones. No, so this is it's like cartoon, cartoon like like typical children's cartoons versions. Jesus, of it. I don't think I've ever seen that. You've never seen a cartoon animal? Well, no, I've seen cartoon animals, but I haven't seen like the combination of like it's trying to educate me about stuff. Oh, I'm I'm not saying that it is. I'm saying that this is a study that they ran. I'm not saying that this is like a very commonplace book. I don't know if it is or not. I definitely didn't grow up with it. But the, I'm trying to tell you about a study in which they did this and marked how well children were able to retain facts. Okay, so the children were not able to, ret- to retain facts well. They were not able to connect that it was about a real animal. Yeah. When it was a Well, cartoon. that's fair. I've seen this shit. It looks dopey as hell. Yes, agreed. So along that vein of, like... We have a tougher time connecting mm-hmm. um, actual facts when we put human characteristics onto animals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel if you this. Oh, oh! So you're in this case though. You're talking about actual like appearance wise, right? You're talking about in a cartoon animal, like 
it might speak to you so that's like a human thing but then it also probably has more like facial features like a human all right that. like anytime they do a cartoon animal they make the eyes bigger they make it able to smile in yeah. the way that we can process this happiness yeah you know? like so it's those... like zoo fucking topia literally yes zoo fucking topia yeah. mm-hmm. okay all right um <laughs> So, like, on, the, on, this, on this side, right, where the visual representation makes it harder for us to digest facts, mm-hmm. on the opposite side, we have stuff like nature documentaries, um, the most cri- uh, criminal, the one that commits this crime the most, is True Life Adventures by Disney, which was one of their first nature docs that they released um, post-war. I don't remember which war. I'm going to assume it's the World War. <laughs> Probably the second one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they, when they were telling the story, it was like very much like a nature documentary. So actual animals are being filled, um, filmed, but they're telling like it's got a narrator over it. And the narrator is like any animal that we they want us to root for is imbued with like these really positive characteristics like bravery, courage, hard work. And the ones, like the stories that they tell, those ones that have those positive characteristics are also the ones that win whatever nature struggle is happening. Mm. You know? Yeah. So they are using what is like, this is supposed to be reality now. Mm -hmm. We're like, we flipped the script, right? Now we're showing you real images, but we're anthropomorphizing the animals with the narrative that we're putting forth, right? Sure. And we're telling a human story now, but with very real animals. Sure. I mean, there's, like, animals that we still have, like, ah, this one is symbolic of strength. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, is that... That's not a modern concept, though. We've, like, always done that with animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but we haven't slapped it with a National Geographic label and told you it's the truth. Well, yeah. That's, that's the that's what's egregious about this. Okay. Right? Is that we're presenting it as fact. Yeah. Um and distributing it globally, <laughs> you know? Like the mass production that's capable in modern day is kind of what makes this sin a little bit sinier. Yeah, I mean, you can't give context. Like even if one person has context, it's not millions of people yeah. that are going to see this. Like, people today could be watching it in the middle of nowhere and, like, never know it's not real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's presented as fact. I mean, like, as adults, we are able to analyze it and critique it, but still. Um, it, All no, adults? No comment. <laughs> um, another example of this is the March of the Penguins. Oh, oh my fucking God. Yeah, Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. But that one is so obvious. It's so obvious. So obvious. It's like really presented as fact at that point. Yeah. It frames the penguin story. My God. There's struggle. They're a tribe. It's a story about love. Right? Like all these things. A bunch of fucking penguins. And I can understand to an extent. Like they're trying to tell us about animals and get us to empathize with them. But I also think it's like, I feel like it's limiting of humanity for everyone to assume that the only time we can empathize with something is when it's similar to us. Yeah. Right? But that's the, that's the whole thing. The whole shebang. You should feel emotional because this penguin's egg didn't hatch because the penguin feels emotional about it. It's not like the penguin is just going to, like, chuck that fucking egg and move on with its life. 
I don't know enough about penguins to really back that up or go after it. I believe a lot of eggs don't hatch and that's just like a normal... I hate that shit so much when... when This happens all the time with litter animals. Like animals that give birth in litters. <clears throat> Usually one or two of the litter doesn't survive and everyone is like, Oh my god! It's so sad! The mom is like, Fuck yeah, that was the weakest one. What did you think was going to happen, bitch? You're going to let it live? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just like, animals live by their own rules. You should just accept that. Yeah. Um, but I think this also treads into how we tell stories about humans and animals interacting. Mm. And how we try to gain sympathy for the other. Like animals gain sympathy for us and we gain sympathy for animals. Um, and I think the most obvious movie to talk about do you want to guess a movie with humans and animals interacting animal animal and it's the most famous one i feel like yeah animal that's not it's not animal airbud (laughs) (laughs) no i'm gonna talk about king kong king kong yeah um okay (laughs) <laughs> i tried <laughs> so the guy who came up with the concept of king kong which initially was a novelization and then like three months later became a movie so they kind of did one thing after another mm. um and i am talking about the original king kong for most of this um his name is marion c cooper what i said Airbud. <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad that i made you guess now for that um <laughs> My other thought was Beethoven. <laughs> I love Beethoven. I know, Beethoven's so good. I was also thinking Homeward Bound, but then you said one animal, and I was like, shit. What's Homeward Bound? It's like it's like two dogs and a cat. They give like narration the whole time. They're, uh, they're like talking, but not talking, you know. Uh, they gotta find their family. Their people. Anyways. Sorry. The creator of King Kong, Marion C. Cooper was fascinated with gorillas as a kid. Mm-hmm. And this, like, kind of, like, didn't really impact him, but he read a ton of stories about him and, like, was very, in, like, seeked out knowledge about him. Yeah, we get it. He wanted to fuck a gorilla. Okay. He was just a kid. I feel like kids are just allowed to like certain animals. Yeah, we get it. He wanted to fuck a gorilla. Okay. All right. All right. Um, anyways, <laughs> he then grows up and gets into the film industry. And when he's filming for a movie in Africa, he comes across a family of baboons, which gives him the idea to make. Uh, and then he wanted to fuck the baboons. <laughs> I'm rolling my eyes back, back into my head. Um, but it gave him the idea to make a picture about primates. And then he starts with the image of the gorilla standing on top of a building. Okay. And I think when he had the idea, the Empire State Building wasn't a thing. Or he just had to think of it. He had the New York Trade Building or whatever mm-hmm. as his building. But he starts with that image and then works around it to build the movie. Um, well, I don't know shit about King Kong. That's what I'm realizing right now. I, I couldn't completely... tell if you were being sarcastic or not. No, I really, like, I completely forgot that it takes place in New York City. I forgot about the Empire State Building thing. I don't know shit about I watched King Kong. King Kong once in a pizza parlor in denver and we were watching it there was no sound so we would just make up all the dialogue ourselves because we would have the captions but we would like make up the accents of how we thought people sounded and everything 
was a great time. Yeah, we, we tried to do like a really bad like New York accent. You would have been appalled. But then it ended up becoming like Czechoslovakian. It was a good day. And we ate so much pizza. Uh, that's that's my last memory of King Kong. I don't think I've seen the full movie outside. I like think I saw it as a kid, and then I saw and then I saw like whatever portion of that we saw at the pizza parlor that we made up. I forgot. I've never for. seen King Kong. Well, all you need to know, big gorilla. And I mean, you know the shot, right? Yeah, the shot where he's. I mean, yeah, we saw it when we went to Universal. Going around. Yeah, told him. That's told probably him. the shot that I'm gonna talk about the most. So as long as you know that, you're fine. Yeah. I don't know, I tackle the rest of the movie that much. Okay. Um. So this is a quote from the early stages of the project. I just think it's funny. He goes, "It's a giant terror gorilla picture." Featuring a gigantic semi-humanoid gorilla pitted against modern civilization. I just like the idea of terror gorilla. <laughs> As like a concept <laughs> for a movie. Like, you know, like, like you walk into a room and it's like the long conference table of just like men in shirts staring at you. And They're wearing shirts? In my version of this, yes. <laughs> It's important to me that men wear shirts. Oh no, I hope they're wearing shirts too because they're all like in their 50s and they definitely drink too much beer. Yeah. Um, but you go, hey guys, I have an idea. Terror gorilla. They all, that is the most like man thing I've ever heard in my yeah. life. Like they, they all, all start and they all start ripping their shirts off. And they they go, all do the pounding. They're pounding their chests. Start jumping up on the fucking conference table. Yeah. Janice, the secretary, walks in. She's just like, oh, I'll come back later. No, she's like, oh, another Tuesday. You can smoke coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Initially, when they were building the character of King Kong, they were, like, going through um, designing the monster. Mm -hmm. And they were going for, like, a half, uh, like, a face that was, like, half beast, half human. And um, they wanted it to be human-like to gain audience empathy. Mm-hmm. Anthropomorphism. Okay. Um, but it ended up looking something like the missing link. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Cooper was like, this is not scary. <laughs> so he wanted something more fierce. So he eventually just was like, make it a gorilla. Just make it like a full gorilla. Um, but they did end up doing like the anthropomorphism. Promorphization still exists. Um, in the modern movie, it's in the eyes a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's also definitely in the body. So they remove the very distinctive paunch, paunch. You know the little belly paunch. They removed his belly. He's like leaner. Oh he, my god! And you know gorillas all have stacked asses. They put him on a fucking diet. They remove his very nice ass. Hollywood's gone too far. Well, they, they were trying to make him look more fierce, and they were like, you can't do that with a fat ass. <laughs> I hate to tell them, but some of the fattest ass people I've met in this life have been the fiercest. Yes, I don't think it's a representation of reality in any means. Whatever. But they were it's trying the to same do anthropomorphizing. Men. It's the same men who were pounding their chests in the conference room 10 seconds ago, so <laughs> I don't know if you believe them. For they once. should have based it on those bodies. Um, and they also have Kong walk upright at times in order to appear more intimidating yeah okay that one I get yeah so um, 
This is the part where I'm like, I gotta explain myself well. Luke's gonna come after me for it later. So I wanna talk about um, that scene where the most famous one, he's taken off the building. Let's talk about it. They're shooting at him. And Uh uh, the quote from the original movie is, it wasn't the airplanes, it was beauty that killed the beast. Which is... God. Yeah. So cringy. But um, I think this is really interesting to analyze from the anthropomorphic lens, right? Obviously, they have what we talked about. They did make his form look a little bit more human. But then they also, like, all of those are meant to appeal to a human audience, right? Mm-hmm. His form, his stance, the emotions that he develops for the heroine, heroine over the course of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they also make him more gorilla. And that also appeals to the human audience more. But it's like the violence and the savagery that we, uh, want, I that we like, men like want to express, you know? I think humans are violent enough, honestly. But I think that's what, by making him more animal, it was also an anthropomorphication in a way, you know? I mean, I feel like they said that they were making him more animal, but really they were just making him more human. <laughs> They right, that's they, what I mean, though. Like, they make him look more like a gorilla, but in the end result of that makes it more human to us. Right, but I'm, I'm talking about not his appearance. I'm talking about his, like, actions, right? Yeah, no, I agree. In that they... The, their whole fucked up perception, perception of animals is already... No, I agree. And that's, like, the very obvious, like, read here, right? Like, yeah. they... Didn't like, know what they were doing? I mean, they did. They are telling a story here. I mean, like, that, it is a fable in a way, right? Mm-hmm. They, they are talking about modern civilization and how we still have our roots from primates and, like, nature versus the civilization we built. Whatever. They're yeah. trying to tell a story here. I don't think it's one about gorillas. But I think it's interesting that they are making him more gorilla to tell that story. Um, it's an interesting use of anthropomorphication. It's in, it's but it's almost counterintuitive in the appearance. Okay, yeah, but they're only making his appearance for gorilla in yes. reality. Yes, yeah. I agree. Well, I mean, do you think that like some of his methods of fighting are more gorilla too? But I don't same know. ones. I don't know. I don't remember enough of this fight. movie, and I don't think you remember enough of I don't this know. movie for really for us I, to talk about this. But I have only seen one scene of this movie. <laughs> I don't know shit. Um, And then I also think it's really interesting that this is supposed to be a movie about this like mega monster who is like kind of all powerful, right? Like we're not able to contain him. They bring him to New York and he escapes and all sorts of things. And what makes him fallible is love, right? That's some bullshit. Well, well, let's get into it, right? It's interesting that we consider love like a very human trait that then expands to animals and makes them more human in our eyes. Uh, I think us wanting to self-contain love to a species is just a very interesting concept on its own. And then I think particularly his love for a human being his downfall is also interesting. Like gaining empathy was like, was his downfall? That's crazy. And then also the woman that he falls for is just like, She's, like, a classically beautiful woman, so his, like, downfall is empathy, and then, like, 
a very standard hot chick. And yeah. that, like, feels like it says a lot about the creators of this movie. Yeah. Like... It says that they don't understand that he would most likely love a gorilla. Yeah. And that, well, I mean, the whole point is that he's, like, one of a kind. He's so lonely on the island. All his, like, people were killed Yeah, but he reptiles. still knows that he, like, du- they're, they're imposing a lifetime of beauty standards on a gorilla that's yeah, most of his life in isolation. Like, that seems... I agree. A hundred percent. No. Uh, uh. Um, and then I so that was like my whole bit on the anthropomorphication lens right from the second definition the post-Darwinian definition right. I think it's cool to look at it from that first definition as when we see when we attribute human traits to a god mm-hmm. so like as I mentioned like Kong is kind of like a godlike figure um, especially in the later he's big Yes, all powerful was the second part of that, right? Is he? Is he at, like? What? I don't know. Well, like, he can beat up a T Rex. Apparently, that's awesome. Yeah, quality content. Yeah, um, but like, this is someone humans can't control, and I think bringing him into the city is like. A really good take on like humans elevating themselves to God. You know, like the the shot of the Empire State Building is literally a little representation of the humans reaching for the heavens. Um, like us building civilizations and building these like very well planned cities and creating a sense of control is it's that first sense of anthropomorphication. Like we are elevating ourselves to God status and I mean, we are. I, I think that um, it's something that, like, humans like to do. And it comes crashing down when Kong comes in and he's standing on top of our Empire State Building. Eventually he falls, but that's, like, it's hubris, right? Bringing him down, it's like him being struck down for the first sin of anthropomorphism. Like, he tried to conquer the god that we put forth. You know, our own god. And he made it, he fell because of it. Yeah, that's my take. It's not a very good take, but it is a take. That's my story. And you're like, well, how does this relate to mountains? Yes, that is exactly what I was just thinking. I think you saw my eyes do the little thing. What? Well, if you remember uh-huh. um, in the Percy Jackson series. What the fuck? Mount Olympus. What? Is the Empire State Building. And it relates because of that last definition of anthropomorphication, right? Oh, that's right. They access Mount Olympus through the Empire State Building, right? Well, it's the last floor, right? It's like the new floor on the Empire State Building. Oh, I forgot about that. It's the top floor, yeah. So, like, all the Greek important monuments get shifted onto the map of the United States because it's the new center of Western culture. And Mount Olympus gets mapped onto the Emperor State Building, which is, like, right? Yeah. In my definition of the Empire State Building. Interesting. Humans reaching for the heavens. It it wasn't even the tallest building when Percy Jackson was written. No, but it was the tallest building in the United States. No, it wasn't. It wasn't even the tallest building in New York! (laughs) Empire State Building? Yeah! 
Literally both of the Twin Towers were taller. Uh, I have no idea. Don't ask me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just... It's, it's, I get it as like a cultural symbol. Do you guys want a topic for tomorrow? Yes. We would love our next topic. That would be great. Milk. Milk? The Milk. fuck? Milk. What am I supposed to do with... I guess I can do anything. We have an Instagram... And we will have a TikTok, TBD on the TikTok. The Instagram is how did we get here underscore confusion. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we're on Spotify. Uh, follow us. Give us a five-star rating. Or Tell us to stop recording. To whatever you need. Mm-hmm. Just give us a five-star rating then. Tell us to stop recording, please. Thank you. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. And uh, remember to ask yourselves, how did we get here? Mm-hmm. All right, bye. Bye.